The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Providence Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, the Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter, that's at Providence Crier. Read our blog, theprovincecrier.com. Join with me as always. We have BOC. Follow him on Twitter at BOC all day. Today is Thursday, August 24th, and the Friars have wrapped up their trip to Spain. Um, Friar fans with their first chance to kind of see the new squad in action. Um, I say kind of see, obviously, because we're relying on, you know, highlight reels and box scores, BOC. But um, the Friars go 3-0 on their trip in Madrid, or excuse me, in Spain, which includes Madrid. Uh, they beat the Madrid All-Stars to open it up, 103-70, beat the Valencia All-Stars, 87-66, and then beat the Catalunya, uh, Catalonia excuse me, All-Stars, 98-50 to wrap up the trip. Um You'll see, obviously, like, you know, you and I were chatting in the text group. Um, not too much, like, not too much stock can be taken in, in what we but, saw, but this, uh, this what is, were your this thoughts? Is, this is what we do. We overreact to three-minute yeah. Twitter clips. This is, We're going to form our whole premise of how the season's going to go based on three games against mid-30-year-olds who are, like, probably on their fifth professional team in five years. Um, so this is what we do. I already know how... I already know the pain points of our team. I already know the strengths of our team. Um, all jokes aside, <clears throat> I do think there's a couple telling things from the team, both good and bad. Um, and then there's some unknowns as well. So maybe I'll start with one player uh, who can probably be classified as good and bad. Um, and that's Rafael Castro. I think we've we've talked about how if this guy puts it together, his – Attribute physical attributes, his athleticism is unlike anybody else we have on the roster. Um, Oduro and McNair, they have their own great features uh, and assets, but if Castro puts it all together, he's just a different specimen in the front court. And he showed that. He um, put in the last game 8 and 15, in the, the game three, 8 and 15. In the first game, I'm looking right now, he had 16 and 9. Um, but therein lies the bad. And what do we always talk about when we think about Castro? It's that he's almost like a, like a giraffe out there on the court where like he can't control his body. He's a little bit spastic, just call spade a spade. And we kind of saw similar things, again, in the box score. So take it for what it's worth. But in games one and games three, where he put up those great stats, he also had four turnovers in each game. 
So we always talk about how he can't hold on to the ball on rebounds. He, you know, we've heard and we've heard some assistant coaches say like he wasn't strong enough maybe last year to play in the front court of the Big East. And when he would get a rebound, he would all, often fumble it. Or when he would get a hot pass, he would fumble it. Like he didn't have strong hands. And, you know, while averaging or while putting up eight and 15 in this last game and 16 and nine in the first game is fantastic. He's not going to see the court a lot. If he's turning the ball over four times a game, you just, you got to take care of the ball in Biggie's play. And so. Especially as a big, I mean, like, yeah. like you know, like um, it was the Mitchell twins, right? The, they had, they were just turnover machines. <laughs> right. Um, and you know, that doesn't lend itself to winning basketball. Um, but yeah, I, I thought overall strong performance out of Rafael Castro, 10.7 points per game. Um, there was that you see, that one clip that he had where, where he got a steal and kind of ran the break and slammed it in. Somebody tweeted out that was Durant-like. And while I got a chuckle, it kind of was Durant-like. Uh, but, well, if you, uh, think, if you think about it, it's weird to say, like, Durant actually might be taller than Castro. Oh, yeah, he is. Which just shows he's like a specimen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, what? so based off of what you've seen, again, in the three clips, do you expect him to be, like, the the person, a, a big person piece off. like rotational piece yeah do you expect him to be i, I don't know i, I don't th- i don't think that it i i really don't think these three games answered it for me especially when you consider that um devin carter um d- does not play in this yeah um, obviously that's a guy that's gonna get heavy minutes this year so to me it's up in the air like, like what, what do you think i think he will get time at the four. And so this is going to, this is going to lend itself to another theme that we picked up on from the uh, three games. And that's the use again in the, in the highlights. And I consider Castro a big, even though he's not necessarily built like the traditional big, I consider him a big, the use of English using two bigs. Like we saw a lot of combinations of Adoro and McNair, McNair and Castro, Castro and Adoro. That kind of caught my eye because I always thought, English would run like a five out offense or a four out one in offense. Um, and he may be he, he, the, the thing with these trips is you're experimenting with rosters who can play together. And it's, we really shouldn't be taking too much into it, but we're fanatics. So that's what we do. Um, I, I was surprised to see the two big rotation. Um, I'm not opposed to it. I just thought our front court may have been a weakness and maybe it still is, but maybe, maybe there's more to it than, uh, what meets the initial eye. Um, I just don't know what Castro yet. Well, well, why are you surprised, BFC? I, I kind of floated out that maybe they would have a big man starting lineup. Yeah. Even though that I mean, wasn't the starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, I still think Castro is going to be first off the bench as a five-man. I think Oduro's got the five-man spot locked up. I, Who knows? Maybe maybe Oduro's a four and McNair's a five in certain situations. Like, you might have, you might have some... Uh, you might be right there. Um, I just I was surprised to see the two big rotation because I just didn't expect to see that. I just expected to see more of like the highlights in game two where in the first couple seconds Oduro comes out and pops a three ball. Like that's what I was expecting. Yeah. Um I I know you you dug deep and gave some stats, but uh I did as well. But one thing I wanted to do for, for just reference uh for fire fans out there, Illinois did this exact trip. Uh, a week prior 
and they played the exact same teams. Yeah. And they went 84-73 win over Madrid All-Stars, 105-60 win over Valencia, and uh, 103-69 against Catalonia. Um, so their average margin of victory was 30 points, whereas the Friars' average margin of victory was 34 points. Again, Friars without Devin Carter on that one. I believe Illinois played with their full roster. I, I think. I, I could be wrong. I do know Terrence. Terrence Shannon did play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hawkins did play. Um, and and that's a team, I mean, in John Rothstein's 45 or whatever, he's ranked 20. So um, I, I do think that that's something to kind of look at there. W- one thing for me, though, BSC, the, the, fir- the very first thing that caught my eye was just this is a completely different brand of offensive basketball than what we are used to. Yep. I, I mean, can... you talk about the floor spacing, the passing, the ball movement, finding open shots. The... That was encouraging. Yeah, this is going to be an up-and-down offense. And I think we've, we've been wanting that for so long with Cooley. And we saw a little bit of it last year, right, because we finally had the horses to run that. Um, to go along with what you're saying with the offensive flow, we have to be really encouraged by Pierre and Duval. Like their turnover numbers were fantastic. Pierre, I tweeted about this with somebody, I forget who, but I think the story with Pierre and Floyd Jr., but specifically Pierre too, um, is going to be, especially with Bynum struggling last year, is why the heck, we're going to be saying a lot this year, why the heck didn't Pierre get more burn last year? Um, Because I think he's going to show out. He seems to just be on a rocket ship right now to being a starting Big East point guard and, I'm not calling him an all-conference guard yet, but I think he has the moxie and the confidence to play well. Yeah, and I, I just love that you can kind of mix and match with him and do all. Uh, you know, Gar- uh, Pierre, 13.3 points per game, second on the team. Garway do all, only seven points per game, but did show kind of flashes of, of his entire package. Uh, long dude, his dude, his period. his passing, his passing, even in a half court set, like over over the top of a zone, was wild, and that just shows his wingspan. Like Pierre and Duall may actually play all on the court a lot together. I wouldn't think about them as a sub for each other. Like I could see them playing side by side. Oh yeah, de- oh yeah, definitely. I, I definitely don't want to throw say that you know they're going to just spell each other and split the time. Yeah, but. I do think they will rotate with that. And then obviously you got other guards that you can throw in there uh, with Corey Floyd and uh, Carter. You can kind of move around and, um, you know, I, yeah, I think that was definitely an encouraging development. Obviously you want to see it in the games um, that count. uh, Yeah. But, but definitely an encouraging sign because I do think, you know, this is a team that's well-balanced. But you know as well as I, like guard play, you know, the, the big men are great to have and important, no doubt. Um, but guard play is ultimately going to determine how far you can get, right? Um, look at look at the uh, the point guard from Kansas State. He single-handedly carried them on that run. I mean, he had pieces around him, yes, but he single-handedly took over the NCAA tournament. Oh, yeah. You, it's hard to do that as a big man. Um there's many different ways you can do it as a lead guard. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, 
you know, like even UConn, like they kind of didn't have to rely on it as much because they had really good front court players last year. But Tristan Newton kind of stepped up when it mattered most last year. Um, so, you know, guard play is important. And, um, you know, those two guys are going to have uh, the spotlight on them. But um, I, I definitely think an encouraging trip from those two. Um, you know, Hopkins seems steady, Eddie. Uh, well, it's like yeah. if if this was last year, all we would be talking about is Hopkins. Uh, it just shows like we know what we have with Hopkins and what we have is in first team all big Easter. And I personally think a, you know, potentially dark horse all American personally. Um, There's a couple highlights where he was bodied by men. Remember, like these aren't like the high caliber athletes of even the big East or the NBA, but they're grown men. They're, pro they're, yeah. they're pros. They're pros. And he bodied a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's not easy to do. And I think one of the concerns, and I voiced this, I think you probably have similar sentiments, is him losing the weight. Like, that's great, right? He's going to be quicker off the bounce. He's going to be more athletic than he was. We were nervous about him losing some strength. That doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, no, it, it definitely doesn't. Um, but you know, it's, I, it's nice to take for granted his production, right? <laughs> like, that's yeah, a really nice thing. It sure is. Um, I thought Odora was good. Um, it was solid. Um, 11 points per game. Had a double-double in the last one. You hate uh, you hate my comp for him. What was your comp again? Poor, poor man's Drew Timmy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily hate it. Um, they definitely had I, – I think what, you, what you're getting at there is just like the, the bag of post moves. Yes. And – I, I do think there are um, bigs in the country that, that kind of separate themselves from the rest of the pack by having a bag of post moves. And Joshua Duro certainly has that. So, so you're not wrong there. Like, just, lull, like lulls you to sleep down low. Yeah. And he makes six different moves off his counter, counter to his counter, and somehow he gets you up in the air finally and draws the foul. Like he's going to live at the free throw line. And that goes to – Nice little segue here. Um, one of the bads, free throw shooting was abysmal. Yeah, what 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 was it told? Do you have it? It yeah, it was. Um, let me pull up these stats here. It was they were sixty five percent from the free throw line. So I don't have the raw numbers, but I averaged yeah, it out. Trip. Yeah, sixty five percent. That's atrocious. Um, again, like it's going to come down to let's go back to freaking Al Durham. How many games did he win just on the line? Um, yeah, you need to close out at the end of games and. One of the things I've heard about Odoro is he's probably going to live at the line, but people are cons somewhat concerned about that from what I've heard. Um, so he needs to convert there. Um, but the team as a whole needs to convert. 65% is that's just not on Odoro. That's on everybody. And um, that's just a practice thing. Like that, that's unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, you know, you shoot like that, it just opens the door, um, especially in close games. You actually reminded me of another interesting point with this team is like going back to do all in Pierre. Um, you know, I, I think you, you would agree they're at least right now, their best scores would be what? Like Hopkins, Carter, Oduro, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. None of those guys necessarily are a, you know, 
ball in my hand late in game, get the fuck out of the way. I'm driving it, you know. So, so I wonder that I would say Hopkins and Odor uh, and Carter are. I mean, they're definitely options, no doubt about it. But it's not like they're a guard that can, you know, go ISO one on one, create a shot for themselves. I actually feel for, I would, I'll disagree with you on that. I would feel really good with them going one on one. I would I would I would take Carter and Hopkins over pretty much any defender in the NCAA. But I'm just going like like I'm just saying based off like the back to my You're point saying create creating creating like a guard. Yeah, a guard that's going to have the ball in his hands in crunch time, you know, making the right reads, making the right big shots. I think <clears throat> it'll be funny because we've talked about how much we hate or I hated the Ed Pooley half court offense. We're probably going to have to live in transition because our point guards are still so young and raw and that the half court might be sloppy a bit, even though I think Kim will probably be more of a tactician on the offensive end in the half court set. But we probably are, it'll probably not be as smooth as we want to be in the half court, at least initially. Yeah, I, I can't wait for the offense, man. It's going to be random well, threes. Can we get, yeah, well, let's get to that. So. Yeah. We averaged 33 pointers a game in those three games. So we averaged 30. Just guess how many how many three pointers do you think we averaged shooting last year? Last year. Um 14. No, not that low. 19. But that's still like 19 is ridiculously low. So the 30 just shows that we're going to play a different type of offensive style. Um but we need to freaking make them. Like, it's all like you. I was joking about it in our group chat, uh, or for our group chat, how this is all great. Like, we're in the honeymoon period until we like lose a close one because we go seven of 35 from three when we could have just been scoring in the paint at will. And then, sure enough, after that, in game two of the uh, Spain trip, they go seven of 34. And granted, they blew them out, but like, those games are going to happen. And just knowing myself, I'm going to be like, damn it, I missed, like, the Cooley era of, like, grinding in the post and, like, <laughs> just playing great defense. Like, it, you know, the grass is always greener kind of thing. I know that's going to happen with me. Um, so, yeah, it's, like, it's good that a lot of folks have the green light. Like, but one of the things that jumps out to me is uh, Ticket Gaines, who seems to be having – and you called this, like, good good on you a couple months back. You said Gaines is going to probably be a bigger pickup than we envision. And after three games, that seems to be the case. There's a little bit of an unknown with Carter, but Gaines seems to be a great defender, seems to be a great teammate. Um, <laughs> he also seems to have a green light from three, and I, I can't decide if that's a good thing or not because he went – let's see. Let me pull it up here. He went two of seven from three in game one. Game two, he went one of nine. Game three, he went one of five. So – Hey, if he has a green lining can knock him down, that's good. But if he's not knocking those down, we need to cut that out real quick. So that one's that one's an unknown for me. That's a TBD. Um, yeah, I mean, if they if they pull him back a little bit and have him play the Manaya role, or you know, Manaya maybe shot three threes a game at most, I'm good with that if he's contributing elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, so here's the thing: Ticket Gaines, his first year at Mason, shot forty percent on 3.4 attempts per game and last this past season dipped down to 34 percent okay um on 
attempts per game. So he attempted one more three a game and saw his average dip about six points. So, um, yeah, I mean, but look, he's the ultimate glue guy. Three and D, whatever. Well, we need to see we need to see the three first because we've all, we've only seen via Twitter or we haven't really even seen it, but we've read the D part, the three part based off the stats doesn't really not really showing. <laughs> but it is pretty crazy how he's he's started. I think he, I think he may have started all three games or he started two of the three games. Yeah, that's, that's kind of that's kind of shocking to me. Um, he was a Tennessee recruit, so clearly he was talented. I looked it up. He was a for Tennessee recruit, he was one of their lower ranked recruits. He's like a three star, top two hundred type kid, but clearly has the talent. Um, and he's old, so you know, the old Bray quote of "get old and stay old" rings true here. We have, we sneakily have like kind of an old team. Yeah, no, um, we certainly uh, listen. I what what I find very encouraging about this team is you took a a team that went to um the NCAA tournament last year and a team that probably felt like they got an earlier exit than they had envisioned probably in fe- like early February right um well there's a reason and you essentially retained the majority of that team yeah you do lose Bonham which I mean obviously Bonham wasn't as good as he was the year prior but um, you know, I, I do think his crunch time hoops could be missed, uh, but you know, so you take that group and then you add, you know, two main cogs in a in a George Mason team that won um, twenty games, and you know, I I just think they have a really good blend of players right now. Yeah, and I think you know, Kim English even said in his interview that the com- camaraderie was really good throughout the trip, which is great to hear. Um, and you know, I think they can kind of hit the ground running here. So whose whose minutes get taken away with Carter coming back into the mix here? Probably some combination of Floyd and uh, Gaines. I would I would think, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I would say that. And then obviously, you know, they're playing the walk ons a, a decent yeah. amount. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're playing Santoro a decent amount, which we'll have to wait and see. Although he shot it, didn't he? Uh, you probably don't have his three numbers, but I no. thought he shot it. Uh, I think well. I think in the first game he went two of two from three. Yeah, there you go. Efficient, hundred percent. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, no, like I I do think, you know, this is a team that is built to to have success this season. Um, I, I I agree. I um I've said from the time this roster was put together, this is. The floor for me is Sweet 16. I just want to make the NCAA tournament, to be honest. Dude, but oh my uh, God. I'm It'll... just saying, like, like, get me to the tournament. We'll see what, what happens. I mean, I think the ultimate is, you know, if Kim English can go to an Elite Eight in year one, when cool, he just had a Sweet 16 in 12 years. That would be for me. If there's uh, such a thing as basketball gods, yes, that, that, should, that should happen. <laughs> and then we can we can talk about how you can't win at Providence apparently. Yeah. Um all right, you got anything else? Um 
nothing else. I think I think this was a good appetizer for the season. I can't wait for it to get in the swing of things like starting to get fall weather here in Jersey. And, uh, you know, you, we're two months out, right? It's going to come sooner than we think. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, I got nothing else, too, except I do have one thing. Oh, um, so you do have something else. I do. But it's not really – I mean, it's show related. It's not really team related, um, but I may or may not have booked a flight to Nassau uh, in November. Did you so do it? I did. Yeah. Excellent. That is fantastic. So we have, we're rolling. Uh, everybody listening should come to. I think. I mean, how awesome would that be? Like traditionally, there's only what like thirty or forty fans for these holiday tournaments. Imagine we roll. Imagine we roll in and have like a hundred deep of Friar fans. That would be quite a statement on TV. That would be it. Sure would be BOC. Uh, no, I'm excited to to extend summer uh, with some Bahamas weather uh, in November, and yeah, we'll, we'll have boots on the ground. So, uh, what's their uh, what's their native beer there? I think it's called Kalik or something like that. That on. I do not know. I've ne- I think I've been on like a cruise, but I don't think I've like legit been. Give me a second. Yeah. Pulick, that's good memory there. Is it uh, light lager? <laughs> they have a little, they have a mix of everything. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, it's described as a golden lager, and it's the national beer of the Bahamas, controlling over fifty percent of the beer market in the country. That's what you call wow. this. We call Monopoly. Um, I mean, dude, I was in Ireland, man. Guinness just has a stranglehold. <laughs> like Guinness has a light beer. Did you know Guinness has a light beer? BOC. No, that sounds incredible though. It was good. Uh it's called like Rock Shore. What, and then they have like their you, own like what would you what would you comp it to? Like, like like a Stella? Yeah. Yeah. Um they had another beer though that was just like have you ever had Magic Cat Nine? Yeah. Yeah. They they had a uh a beer that was like that as well, that was made by Guinness. But like the taps were like Guinness, that the only other beer was like Smittix. That was the only one allowed. Guinness just like strangles, has a stranglehold over the country in terms we'll of be, We'll be uh, both pool and Oceanside drinking collects. That'll be fun. For the folks that are listening, come join us. Make it a party. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Province Crier podcast. Again, follow me on Twitter. That's at Province Crier. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, that, that's BOC that is at BOC all day continue to read our blog we'll have some stuff uh, coming out as, as the season approaches um, and, and yeah uh, like you said BOC season's right around the corner yeah can't wait oh yeah we actually wrote an article about uh, if, if each Big East program was a Jersey Shore bar that uh, so take take a read of that that was pretty good that was well received that was good, Bessie. I, I, you told me I had to do a New England one, and I jotted some thoughts down, um, and, and maybe I'll get that out uh, soon here. But um, until then, Friartown, see you later. See you guys. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way up on the hoop, Cross over, I might go to LEU. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, ayy Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, ayy Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Hope, ayy I'm the alpha dog, Diallo They was sleeping on me
me, that's what made me a savage And he see me bumpin', so we gon' let him have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah